Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome in to another episode of Photo Taco on the Master Photography Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes of your day with me. I'm really excited about this episode. I'm joined by special guest host, Steve Brazel. I had to work on how to pronounce his last name for sure. Because <laughs> I think a lot of people want to say Brazil. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, most most people try. It's spelled like Brazil, but it has two L's. Yeah. But it's like Razzle. Razzle. Like Razzle Dazzle. Oh, so I still B, didn't so get it right. Brazzle, it's yeah. Brazzle, not Brazzle. Okay. Yeah, Brazzle. Brazzle. I'll answer to almost anything. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on and enduring being called by the wrong name. <laughs> um, we want to welcome to fo- you to Photo Taco, Steve. Um, I've asked Steve to come on the show because I wanted to talk about concert photography. And he's one of the best. So, Steve, why don't you take a moment here? Tell us about how you got into concert photography. Okay. First of all, you're way too kind. Uh, no. Uh, I- I got into concert photography in kind of a weird roundabout way, and it's different than most people. I've been in radio for probably 40 years, and I still I still am on the air in radio. And years ago, in the old days of radio, when concerts weren't you know, nightmarish things sometimes to get into, <laughs> we used to always get backstage for meet and greets to meet the artists and take pictures and all of that. And that was common in our industry that you got to go do that. I see. There was a moment when I got into photography, which was completely unrelated. I had a son that was in marching band and I wanted pictures of him on the marching band field playing drums that I went to my boss at the radio station. I said, you know, here's the deal. You know, we've always been able to get backstage for meet and greets. Can we get photo credentials? Right. And he looked at me and said, I don't really know. Why don't you ask somebody? (laughs) I said, well, I will. But the problem is going to be radio station salespeople get business cards. DJs on air personalities don't have business cards and they may want proof that I work here. He goes, I'll email you the logo. Just make yourself a business. Card. <laughs> and of two course. weeks later, I was photographing Def Leppard and Hart. Oh, wow. Which, which is, I always want to tell people that is so odd. You're going to spend a long time shooting in clubs before you do that. It just so happens I'm actual media. Right. And that's part of the key. And I happen to have that as a, as a jumpstart. All right. All right. We're going to get more into the permission to shoot kind of stuff in just a second. Um, I want to mention, though, so it, it seems like you live like three or four lives simultaneously. Steve. <laughs> you're you're yeah. involved in so many things at the same time. And like me, you're a true geek. Um, <laughs> when it, makes, it makes it more exciting to even have you coming on Photo Taco because um, geekiness is what the listeners have come to expect. Uh, I do a lot of really technical deep dives into photography stuff. And when I don't know something about it, then I have someone like you come on and uh, be the expert that's going to tell us about it. Um, So the goal is understandable geekiness, though, trying to make it so that someone who doesn't have a background in IT and, you know, all the the stuff that that, uh, you got can kind of go along with us in the show, make the, the journey and be able to get something out of it. So really excited to have you on be able to talk about this. I want to mention right now, and we'll talk a little bit more at the end of the show about it, but you also have a podcast that's called Behind the Shot, uh, available in video and audio, the both. And I really encourage listeners to go check that out, behindtheshot.tv. And like I said, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show. Now, everyone's expecting concert photography discussion. So let's let's jump straight in. Let's, let's r- get right to it. I don't want to have this long intro 
uh, stuff that a lot of uh, podcasts have. So the first subject that we thought we'd go through, and, and I got a lot of Facebook group questions here. We'll see how we work them in as we as we have our discussion here. But permission to shoot. You, t- you had a really special, unique circumstance, it sounds like, that not everyone yeah. is going to have. So how does one, if, if there's a listener out there who has an alignment, they, they really love music. They've, they're a big fan of lots of, of music and they really love photography too. And they want to mesh those two things together. What advice do you have for those photographers trying to get that access? Yeah, that, and, and that really in concert photography, you know, photography is such a weird beast in a way. It's, it's the art of compromise and music photography to me is, is the one genre that starts from even just being able to do it is the art of compromise. No large concert venue, artist, management, PR is going to let you walk into a, a concert with your camera because you say, you know what? I really want to build a portfolio or, oh my gosh, <laughs> Queensryche is just my favorite. I need to photograph. It's just <laughs> right, not going right. to happen that way. It, you know, you're not going to start out by shooting Aerosmith or Taylor Swift. It's just not going to happen. What you need to be able to shoot a concert is to understand the the relationship that happens between the photographer and the the artist or camp or whoever it is. So their goal is publicity. Right. They want coverage. They want you to you know, promote the tour because that tour is playing in 50 cities across the United States. So if it hits a small town in Utah and you take photos and you put them out through a media outlet, meaning news media editorial coverage outlet, then other people online might find those and end up going to see the show and buying tickets or buying albums and things like that. There is sure. that symbiotic relationship where I need the pictures for my editorial coverage, but they need it for media. And that's a key. So for most people, that's not easy up front. So here's the simple thing. You don't generally need permission to actually go to small clubs, small bars. And strangely, everybody wants to go shoot at the Forum in Los Angeles. (laughs) Some of the best photos you'll ever see are club photos where you have so much energy crammed into a small space And you can translate that into telling the story. But the last thing I'd say on permission is this. If you love music and you love photography, don't let the fact that you don't have permission now stop you because you can get media access much more easily than many people think. Every town, including a small town in, you know, wherever, has a local newspaper. Right. And you may be an hour away from a big city with a big venue, but if you go to that local newspaper and you say, I want to go shoot Aerosmith, uh, is it, you know, if I shoot them, will you use my pictures for editorial coverage? Can I say that I'm shooting for you? Uh And many of them will say yes, if not, and they may say yes, and you may not get in because it's a small paper, but you may get a yes from the media outlet. The same way there are blogs everywhere for music. And the one thing that I shoot for that nobody ever thinks about is I actually do photography for radio. My music photography is mostly done. I do it for bands and I do it for venues too, but mostly I photograph for the radio station that I work for. Okay. All right. So, so go, go give it a try. I, I think it's been the same suggestion we've even had for sports photography. A very similar concept. Very similar issue. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. You're you're getting your access to the building, getting it in there so that you can be in there to to, uh, to have permission to shoot, um, and and going to try it through the local paper or getting with the local school. The angle that I've used now for trying to do shoot sports was I just offered to shoot the women's basketball team at the local high school. There you who, go. Who nobody wanted to you know go do. There wasn't a photographer who was trying to to do that. So they're like, sure, that that'll work. They don't have a photographer, so you can do that. And then as I did that, I gave, you know, built the relationships with the people and I got media passes into basketball. It's been fun. And and by the way, that that's actually a really good point because that same type thing works in another way that I've seen people do. There are European music websites that are really popular, but they want photos or coverage of constant. They always have to have new content. So they will take U.S.-based photographers shooting U.S.-based shows and post those and they're, hey, Aerosmith was just at the forum in Los Angeles or whatever it might be. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to, you know, in, in this media world, you don't have to think who's near me. They don't have to be. Okay. So now let's, let's go to a couple of the questions from Facebook group listeners. Oh, these are good. Yes, these are good. So yeah. Scott Allen Tice, um, and I, I was thinking of the same question, and so I'm glad he asked it. Uh, he said uh, he'd like to know Steve's opinion about artists increasingly using verbiage that all photos taken at an event are property of the artist. There's been lots of news coverage about that kind of thing happening. And, uh, and he said, with terms like this, how does anyone make money unless they're actually working for the artist? So, okay. Scott Allen Tice just nailed it. And I had a long discussion. A friend of mine does a podcast, Matthias Hombauer, uh, how to become a rock star photographer. It's a great podcast. He interviews top music photographers around the world. And when I was on, we talked about photo releases, which are contracts basically to be able to shoot the show for those people that have never done this before. And the restrictions that are being placed on photographers now and they nowadays, which is what Scott's talking about. Right. And it is a huge issue, but not. And here's, here's the thing with rights grabbing contracts. First of all, you have to understand that a famous artist, let's just make up a name, right? Jimmy John, the lead singer of whatever. (laughs) Jimmy John is famous. Jimmy John walks down the street and everybody knows him. Jimmy John is his own brand. He has every right to try and protect his image, his brand, his usage, right? He has every right to do that. However, we as artists create our art and we own the copyright for our images. He can't, you know, he can't just say, because I let you shoot me, I get to use the pictures for anything I want, including commercial use worldwide, without you signing a photo release or a contract that says, I agree that for you allowing me to shoot this concert, I will give you all of my photos. So that's the concept that that Scott's talking about. Right, right. Here's the problem with all the complaining, which I do it too, by the way. (laughs) The simple answer is they have every legal right to ask you. It's unethical. Rights grabbing contracts to me are so unethical. It hurts my brain sometimes. Right, right. You're a creative. You're making music. You'd get mad if somebody steals your music, but you want somebody to drive to the venue, pay for parking, shoot the shots, have the skill set to make good shots, edit those shots, and then give you all their work product for free. To me, that's unethical. Right. Right. They have every legal right to ask you, here's where you have the power. Don't sign it. It's really just that simple. 
if, and there are bands like this, that if they put a contract in front of you, and it's happened to me many, many times, that says you have to sign this. And what it's saying is you will send us a copy of all the pictures, giving us a worldwide commercial transferable like com- you know license to use these images. Don't sign it and don't shoot the show. Uh-huh. Okay. All that's right. that's your power. Um, me, I won't sign those. I will never sign those. Now, there are editorial releases that say you can use the pictures, but we get pre-approval. You have to send them to us and we'll tell you which ones you can use. I hate them, but I'll do those. There's also ones that say you can only use it one time for editorial coverage and then you can't use them again. Some say you can't use them in a portfolio. But the ones that are give us a copy and we get to use it for anything we want. Some of them actually specify I get copyright, some don't. I just don't sign them and don't shoot the artist and I'm I'm in control. Can they make money out of them? That's kind of what I think. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah. Yes, you can make money doing concert photography, but you're not going to make a living at it. Right. Almost every concert photographer that I know shoots other things. David Bergman, who is, is... John Bon Jovi's tour photographer is also a Canon explorer of light and shoots sports and a bunch of other things. Uh, There are ways to make money. I was a house photographer, so I shot for a venue. I made money doing that. But generally, you're going to also do some other type of photography or some other job. Right. It's kind of the reality of most photography, not even just concert photography. Most of the photographies, unless you're weddings, that's, that's something that they're still a good profession a career Agreed. path on. But other than that, you're probably going to need to do something else too. Uh, all right. And then Ed, Ed listener also asked, um, is dead, is it dead for major acts? Small bands and local clubs seems to be where the opportunity is. I think it's probably getting at uh, the access again, g- being able to get into the, um, the larger acts that are out there. Yes. And no, I mean, when we're talking larger acts that are, impossible to get into. It's the insanely large acts, which are a very small percentage, right? There's a lot of really well-known bands and vocalists and singers, but there's very few Beyonce's. (laughs) So yes, or, or Aussies, right? Aussie, you don't, nobody photographs Aussie has his own photographer and media outlets are allowed to download the, the tour photographer's photos for use in editorial coverage. I won't use in my editorial coverage. I won't use anybody else's photos. That's just me. Most people do. So if that's the case, I don't cover the Aussie set. Right. right. It's again, it's that simple. But again, what I said earlier, Ed's right. Small bands and local clubs are some of the best photo opportunities you will ever get. But no, it is not dead for major artists. I shoot major artists all the time. All right. Good. So I I think we have kind of the how to get in there. There's some options, some things to try so that you can can get into the venue and shoot. How about um, kind of some... Some standard rules, standard concert rules. I, if I was a brand, I've never done this. Uh, what kind of things should I be aware of, aware of uh, as rules heading into it that are normal? We've talked about some of them that you would suggest avoiding the signing all of your rights away to, the, right, to your right. photos. Um, what other kinds of things should I be aware of? So you've never shot a concert? I've never shot a concert. Okay. I'll, I'll warn you ahead of time. Don't start. Because it is the most addictive form of <laughs> photography you will ever, ever do. When you are shooting a concert, in most cases, there are exceptions. There are times that you will shoot from what's called front of house, which is where the mixing board is, which is halfway back the arena. 
there are times that you will be relegated to the sides or to wandering the crowd. Right. But most of the time, photographing a concert, you'll be in something known as the pit. So if you look at a stage and then you look at the crowd, there's a small walkway between the stage and the crowd where you'll see security guys walking back and forth. So that if somebody from the crowd jumps over the barricade to try and get on the stage, they can stop them. Uh Or if somebody's crowd surfing, they have a place to land. (laughs) That is the photo pit. So when I photograph a show, the standard rule, in fact, I got an approval yesterday or or like two o'clock this morning for a show. And it said, it'll be the standard, quote, three from the pit, no flash. So what that means is you're in the photo pit. You are allowed to shoot the first three songs and you are not allowed to use any flash. That's pretty much it. Now, there are artists that will be one song. Marilyn Manson is one song. Joe Walsh, I think, was two songs. I've I've had, I think, Corn. I got four. Cage the Elephant, we got the whole set. So it varies, but most of the time, 95, 99% of the time, you get to shoot three songs from the pit with no flash. That's really it. And are they, how are they enforcing that then? Do they have people that, uh, you know. Security, well, most shows, you will queue up somewhere outside on the side of the venue back by concessions somewhere. Uh-huh. The promoter representative, usually in my case, it's a Live Nation rep, will gather all the photographers, manually escort them all the way down, put them in the pit. And at the end of three songs, the very large security guys walk through like a bulldozer and push everybody out. And then could you, if it was small enough, there weren't a lot of people, photographers there, could you get in the queue again? Uh, no, because it's only the first three songs and then it's done. Oh, first three songs, now, there are period. there are types, like the approval I got last night said, three from the pit, no flash. After that, shooting from anywhere in the back of the venue is okay. Uh, okay. So then I can wander around the back of the venue and shoot from there. But most of the time, I've had venues where the Hollywood Bowl is a good example. Uh, where you will shoot the three from the pit for like there's three bands. You go shoot three for the first band and then they escort you to the parking lot. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you wait in the parking lot and then they escort you back in for band two. You shoot three songs and you go out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. So they're absolutely enforcing it. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Very, very important. Okay. Let's move on to uh, to gear, which is uh, Facebook was just lit up with gear. So I, I took one question out of there. That was a tiny bit different than the rest, but most of them wanted to know gear setup. What is it that they have to have? And one of the big things that we do here on on Photo Taco is there's a lot of hobbyists. There's a lot of less experienced photographers who listen to the show and they're highly interested in like, what's like the minimum, (laughs) the bare bones minimum photography gear that I can get away with and try this out. I want to see how this goes uh, don't have a lot, a big budget to spend on this. So, so Steve, what what can they do? That's kind of the very minimum. The minimum is any camera that you have that is an actual camera. So, most of the shows that you go to, you'll often see a rule note: no smartphones. Uh-huh. This is again, it's not an area to build a portfolio and have fun. It's a work area. Uh-huh. You have people in the same pit with you shooting for Rolling Stone, shooting for Getty shooting for you know AP News, shooting for whatever it is. It's a work area. And so they don't want you in there with your iPhone taking pictures of Metallica. That's not going to work. Right. But aside from that, I know people who photograph with a Canon XTI, the, the small consumer 
and a nifty 50, a 51.8. Mm-hmm. And you can get great pictures. Now, it's going to take a little bit more work because I live in a world of high ISO, so you're not going to get as clean of pictures on a, on a lower body. But if you've got an interchangeable lens, DSLR or mirrorless, and you've got one good lens, and when I say good lens in concert photography, good means really one thing, fast. Right. We're very low light, so you need 2.8 is your best bet or mm-hmm. faster. Right. Okay. I shoot almost nothing but 2.8. And other than that, you're good to go. You can go shoot. I mean, you can go up from there. I carry two bodies. I carry a 5D3 and a 5D4. My 5D3 does not change during a show. It's either got a 16 to 35, 2.8, the the Mark III Canon, or it's got a Sigma 15 on it. And on my right hip is my 5D4, and that alternates between a 24 to 72.8 and a 70 to 200 2.8. Okay. So you can go up from that. But really, if you want to shoot shows, just if you got a DSLR, get in and do it. Excellent. Okay. And then, so you, you mentioned the, the 5D3, 5D4 and those lenses. Anything else, if, if there's something that is, uh, for the photographer who has a little bit more of a budget, is that the setup you'd recommend or is there something else besides that? I'd still recommend that. I mean, if you got a little bit more of a budget, yeah. Could you go with a higher end body, a, a 1DX Mark II, something like that? Sure. But the standard setup for concert photography is the Holy Trinity, as it's thought of. Right. And that's the 16 to 35, the 24 to 70, and the 70 to 200. Now, if you're shooting at an arena and there's no photo pit and you have to shoot from front of house, meaning the mixing board, at that point, you either own or you're renting a 400 2.8 on a monopod because you're so far back. And you can usually tell those shots because if you're looking at a major artist and the angle of the shot is horizontal to their eyes. That person's way back. That's just geometry, right? right? If you're in a photo pit right in front of the stage, you're inevitably looking up and you're going to get an angle. So you, if you're looking at live music photography, you can you can see those. The only other thing I would say is <clears throat> I use a belt system. I use a think tank belt system. A lot of people use backpacks. We'll get into pit etiquette later, I think, and and just be aware that you want as little gear on your body while you're shooting as possible. So the less gear, the better in some ways, because I've had pits where literally I can't move. I've had 70 photographers in a pit and I could not lift my elbows. Right. (laughs) So if you got a backpack on and you turn, you're messing up other people's work. So how are you storing your lenses then? You've got, is, is that on the belt too, the Think Take belt? Yeah. So the reason I do the belt system and I like it although I may do some changing to it, is I always have an empty sleeve on the belt. So if I've got the 24 to 70 on my right body and the 16 to 35 on my left, and I want to change the 24 to 70, I have my 70 to 200 in a pouch on the belt and I have an empty pouch. I always have two because I need somewhere I can quickly drop a lens in the empty pouch, grab the other one and lift it up. I always have a drop spot without having to set my lens on a stage, which you don't want to. Got it. That's cool. I like it. I've never had to switch that quickly. So that's a, it's a good idea. Okay. And maybe we'll put a link in the show notes to the, the belt. You By the use. way, that you just said a key though. What's you have that? to know how to switch lenses quickly because you only have three songs. Yeah, that's right. So nowhere, like for me with a Canon, I know where I feel my, my autofocus button. Yeah. I know where the red dot is in relation to that. So in a pitch dark environment, you can get, I can load off. my lenses. Yeah. In. Yeah. I can see how that would be a challenge. <laughs> 
Really cool. All right. Let's, uh, there's one other little question before we leave the gear. And that's from uh, Bill Cocken. And he said, many shows use lasers for special effects. I've heard this can damage camera sensors. Is this true? Will it damage your cell phone cameras too? What precautions can we take? That's a good question. And I actually, if I'm not mistaken, I just, a couple of days before we recorded this, I don't know when it'll go live, but David Bergman did does a thing for Adorama TV, Ask David. Uh-huh, right. And I think one of them was this exact question. And I'm going to echo what I recall him saying, which is technically, yes, a laser could, to my knowledge, the guy to ask this actually would be Don Komarechka. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> um, I believe that it can damage the sensor and that you should be aware of it. But is there anything that you can really do about it? Not really. You're holding your camera up, pointing at somebody's face trying to get a shot and if the laser happens to hit the right way and burn your sensor it hits the right way and burns your sensor it's like when you're shooting at a, at a festival and it's pouring rain and muddy these are tools right so you, yeah you, you want to protect your gear but these are tools you can't miss the shot because oh i don't want my camera wet <laughs> right you, you use the tool whether whether your iphone or not could it damage it i i think it could but i'll be honest with you i, I don't know the physics behind it so I, I know that there are some, I don't know if all lasers can, but I know there are some, I know that, uh, so I think it was a WPP. I don't know. There was a conference a, a little while ago where there was a really famous, uh, kind of report that came out of the photography media that, uh, yeah, someone, there was, I think they were doing a, a LIDAR, like self-driving car demonstration. And, oh, I've and heard his, about that. His, yeah. It took it, a red laser went over his, his camera sensor and it destroyed it wherever it went. And uh, and caused a problem. So I don't think those are the same at lasers as the ones that are being used. At, like, I guess the big shows. question would be if you have your gear insured, would insurance cover laser damage? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. But you've never had, you've never experienced that being a never. problem for you. Okay. No, never. And I've been doing this for a lot of years. Yeah. So it's probably not a, a huge concern, at least for concert photography. But I absolutely think there's uh, there's value in in photographers being aware around lasers that there could be some yeah, damage yeah. to cameras in some situations, just maybe not one that's pop uh, going to be a problem for you in concert. All right. Technique. So I think there's a lot to be said for technique and I'm hoping you can help out here that uh, as a photographer, who's going to go do this, you know, you get those three songs. That's a really common thing. You don't have a lot of, you, you can't go learn on the fly with three songs that are there. So no. how, how does a photographer who's never done this before, prepare themselves technique wise or what kind of tips do you have for technique so that they can go into that event as prepared as they can be to try and capture some meaningful shots that they can be proud of. And this is an area that should really be this complex, long, (laughs) in-depth answer. You know, if you'd, you know what? It really isn't. Photography is photography. And, and, Really what live music photography is, is not, yeah, it's a unique beast in and of itself, but really it's low light action photography. That's all it is. It's low light action photography. So the best technique tips I can give you is, A, you're going to be working in a dark environment. So you better know your gear. Right, right. Lights are changing quickly. Artists are moving quickly. You better know your gear. You better know, based on light changing, how to adjust your exposure without looking at the camera 
very quickly. And whether or not you want to adjust your shutter speed or your ISO or your aperture, you need to know very quickly that you can adjust all three of those without looking. Right. And then just understand that you are going to be shooting at high ISO and you're going to have noise. And I see so many pixel peepers pull their photos into Lightroom and zoom in and, oh, there's so much noise. <laughs> and then they noise reduce it to the point where the person looks like a plastic mannequin. And uh, Rick Salmon has this old saying. I've heard him say to me a million times. His dad said it to him. If people look at your photo, so credit to Rick on this or Rick's dad. If people look at your photos and the first thing they notice is the noise, then there's something else wrong with your photo. Agreed. Because if you go back and think about it, I'm older, but some of the most iconic photos of our day are nothing but noise. Right. Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny Liston, the Vietnam War classic black and white photos. These photos are horrible from a noise point of view, and no one cares. The, the picture tells the story. So here's my, here's my tip for technique. Know your camera and know, know your exposure triangle what's called reciprocals, okay? That, that's A. And ignore the noise. I shoot at 3,200 all the time. I shoot at ISO 6,400 sometimes. I've had shows where I'm in, you know, six digits, five digits, 10,000, whatever. A, here's a good way to think of it. A noisy, sharp shot is always preferable over a beautifully clean blurry shot. <laughs> right. They can't even use. If there's so much so, motion blur that they there you can't make out who it is. It's it's useless. Exactly. It's useless. You need to shoot with it what I shoot, you need shutter speed in a dark environment. So let's just take take the lens out of the equation. If you're shooting a 2.8 lens at 2.8, you don't even have to think about your aperture. Right. Right. But you're shooting metal and the guy, the the guitarist is jumping in the air and doing the splits and you want to get him up in the air. Okay, now you're looking, you might be able, if you're really good, to do it at 250th. If you want to be safe, 320th, you might want 400th of a second. You might want 600th of a second. Depends on your style. Right. Your ISO is going to be whatever you need to get the shutter speed. And then beyond that, the only other thing I would say goes back to knowing your camera. I have shows, outdoor festivals I shoot where the lead singer is in the shade. Lean, doesn't even step. Leans forward and they're in the sun. Right. Right. And it can be a three, four stop difference just from them leaning forward. You learn it really quick during that song. Okay, he's in the sun now. Well, that doesn't help you if you can adjust three stops instantly with your fingers without looking. Right, right. right. Know your gear, ignore the noise, and just get the shot. Okay, so kind of going along that with the technique here, uh, this is another question from Facebook. This was Ann C. Kilbasa. It's dangerous to try to pronounce names, but, but yeah, there we go. Uh, he said, she said, maybe touch on how to handle lighting when the venue doesn't have adequate light. So maybe one of these examples you talked about going to a club, a smaller venue. Um, then she said, the last event I shot was lit by four utility lamps with colored bulbs and one overhead ceiling fan with a colored bulb. Challenging for sure, but made for interesting lighting effects. What do you recommend yeah. there, Steve? And I. Uh, I feel your pain. <laughs> I so feel your pain. Here's the thing. Basically, what we're doing as live music photographers is telling a story. 
right? It's photojournalism in an, at its yeah, core. Yeah, yeah, sure. Now, there are people shooting for journalistic outlets that follow journalistic rules from post-processing. Right, And right. there are others that are shooting for venues or bands and, and photojournalistic rules don't apply. Right. But in effect, it's photojournalism. So you need to tell the story. So for me, I will never use a flash, even in a club where they tell me I can. Because I've now changed the environment the audience is in. That's a real big deal to me. Right. If you are in a place where it's super dark lit by four utility lamps with colored bulbs in them, <laughs> you need to tell that story. And, and the best example I can think of actually is shows that I've, I've shot where the venue's pitch dark and there isn't one light shining in the front of the artists. It's all a truss way up high with colored lights backlighting. Right, right. So it, it, immediately your only shot is a silhouette. Okay, how do I tell this story with that light? And it might be a strong pose of the lead singer looking like this imposing silhouette with the drummer fading behind him, something like that. You need to tell the story. Uh, Mayhem Festival, I think it was Mayhem. It might've been slip. It might, might've been not fest one year. We had a band, well-known band, big name that was actually oddly on a side stage. They were the last show of the night on the side stage. And I think, I think that the people promoting it thought it would still be daylight. And it wasn't daylight. And because it wasn't daylight, this head, this main band came on the side stage in pitch dark. And you know what they did? Somebody, we shot in dark. That's one of the shows I was shooting at like 16,000 ISO or something. Uh -huh. Somebody went and got one of those clip-on lights that are like a silver metal can with a screw-in yeah, yeah. floodlight. Yeah. Clipped it on one of the stage monitors and the singer stood in front of it. That's what you got. <laughs> you shoot it. And like she said, you, you get interesting effects. Right. Yeah. That's, it's great. I like the idea of, or the advice there of uh, still not using flash disrupting, not only the, the people viewing, but now you're disrupting the, the artists too. having flashing flashes, it in their face. Yeah. They're not, they're probably, they may not be used to that. It might really throw them off and boy, that would be disastrous. <laughs> it's a learning curve problem too, because if you learn to shoot in small clubs and the band says, yeah, you can use a flash. I don't care. Right. Right. Then you're going to have trouble when you go shoot an arena show. Right. Just learn to shoot low light photography, no flash. You'll be better off. Okay. All right. Uh, let's talk technical hurdles now. So there, you know, we kind of have talked a little bit about this, but have some uh, questions from Facebook too, that, that I want to make sure we cover, but uh, tell us about some of the, as you're shooting, maybe besides the camera settings, what other things, what other hurdles are common down in that pit? The biggest problem with concert photography is clutter on the stage. And that's why actually, you know, cutting your chops in small clubs really helps. You are going to, you know, landscape photographers, portrait photographers. If you're doing a portrait of a senior portrait in a park, you're always taught to watch the intruders. Do you have a branch coming out of right, your head? Right, right, right. Right. In concert photography, trust me, you're going to have something coming out of their head. <laughs> you're going to have mic stands behind them. You're going to take a picture of nothing but the lead singer, but there's another microphone stand sticking in the scene or just the head of a bass guitar. There's a lot of clutter on a stage. Learning how to move your feet, use your zoom, understand composition will help you a ton in overcoming the biggest hurdle, which is getting a meaningful shot 
that focuses on the subject of the image more than anything else. The other really big one is dynamic range. Well, angle too. I mentioned earlier, if you're right. in a photo pit, you're shooting up on people. If it's a really high stage, that means up the nose shots, right. which means don't stand in the middle and shoot straight up at the lead singer. Go to the left or right side of the pit and shoot sideways to the singer because you want to res- respect these people. You want to make them look good. And shooting up the nose sharply right up the nose never <laughs> looks good. Right. The biggest thing with live music photography that people struggle with, though, is dynamic range. You have a lighting director at a concert being paid money to push the limits of the human eye from a sensory point of view with lighting. Bright, dark, strobes, colors. That's their job. And the human eye sees many more stops of light than a camera does. So you are already at a disadvantage where the lighting is way more dynamic range. So you have to choose. You're going to blow out highlights. You're going to clip blacks. You need to find out in that dynamic range scenario that you're in how to expose properly for the artist that you're shooting. Okay. Along the same lines with all that light, and we talked about this, this goes right in line with the, the Facebook question that we had. This is from Benjamin Steuben Farrar. And he said, how do you adjust white balance for a mix of LED and incandescent light? How do you expose correctly for faces with so much backlight? Do you communicate with the lighting designers beforehand? Do you have a set that includes light cues? Does theatrical fog or haze have an adverse effect on camera equipment? So those those are some really good questions. Wow, Benjamin, I think, has shot concerts before. Great (laughs) question, man. Great question. So white balance, I shoot auto white balance. I shoot in raw and I set my white balance in post. But as he's alluding to, if you've got a mixture of light, right. there's only so much that you can do. Right. Right. And you're going to go with what you can. Sometimes leaving a shot a weird color tells the story and you'll do it. Sure. Other times you'll go black and white if you have to. If the colors like I've had shots where actually the subject doesn't look that bad, but like on their cheek, there's this weird purple right. clipping. And no matter what you do, you can't fix it. And a lot of concerts are red light, which one of the colors that clips fastest on a camera sensor is red. You may have to go black and white because understand that red's a good example. If the red is clipping, Rob Zombie is solid red sometimes. And you'll pull it off and he just looks like a blob of red. <laughs> but that's only the red channel. There's a green and a blue channel as well that may have tons of detail. So going black and white can rescue it. The other thing is you just play with it. I I shoot auto and I use an eyedropper and sometimes I'll click the silver ring around the microphone uh-huh, right, 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 to white balance. Sometimes I'll find something white on them. Sometimes I'll use the inside corner of their eye, the whites of their eye. The oh, inside yeah, corner yeah. tends to be a, a more accurate drop than the outside for me. Y- you do what you can. Do I talk to a lighting director beforehand? Generally, no. If you're, a, if you're on tour with somebody, you'll get lighting cues. You may be able to talk to them and ask them what they're going to do. But their job is to light the show. Right. They're not going to necessarily change it for you. So if you're part of the tour, yeah, if you're just shooting a show, you're not going to get anything like that. You just, lighting follows the music. So as long as you can hear the song, you can understand the crescendos both in the song, the vocal, and the lighting. And fog and haze, no, they don't, they're not going to hurt you. That, yeah, that adds to the photo, doesn't it? That, that helps tell the story. Yeah, it it. You don't see light beams. Every concert shot you see where you see the light beam, that's because of haze. Yeah. Yeah. 
That makes it fun. Those are fun effects. Okay, good. Let's uh, let's move on to pit etiquette. I'm glad you you added this in here, and I'm really glad you did. What do photographers need to know to behave appropriately while they're in the pit? Yeah, and this is this is one of the big topics of conversation in live music photography. Unlike wedding photography, where a wedding photographer could say, as the crowd starts snapping pictures, but he's trying to get the cake cutting and flashes are going off. He can say, look, everybody stop. Let me get the official wedding pictures and then I'll keep them posed. Right. It doesn't work that way, right? You've got five photographers, 20 photographers, 40 in a pit, and they're all the boss. They all have every right to be there. They all have every right to get their shot. And oh, by the way, you are going to work with them more than once. So making them angry is never a good thing. So <laughs> You'll be a out. number of the things yeah. is if you're wearing a backpack with your gear, that's fine. If that's how you carry your gear. When you get in the pit, take your backpack off, put it down under the stage because otherwise you're bumping people with it. Same with, you know, anything that you're carrying, take it off, set it down. The other thing is don't, this is the big one. Don't hold your camera, Hail Mary over your head. And you'll see photographers do it. They've got, they're standing in the middle of the stage. The singer is right in front of them. They want more of a straight angle in the full stage with a fisheye. So they hold, they arms fully extended over their head and they'll hold it up there. You are in everybody else's shot when you do that. And it's disrespectful to the other people trying to get a photo. Same with flashes. You're not allowed to use a flash, but a lot of people leave them on because they're walking around the crowd shooting candids at a festival. And then they get in the pit and the flashes. The problem is their flash is sticking straight up in the air and they're six foot two (laughs) and they're at the front of the stage. Well, now their flash is in everybody's shot as well. So really the main thing is respect everybody. When I'm standing in a pit, I might be at the front of the stage getting a shot and I turn around and there's a shorter girl behind me. And I'm like, you know what? I can shoot over you. Come on up. Right. It just makes life a lot easier. Thanks. And and I see this question you're going to get to from Eddie. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Lagos. Was this also in the group? It was. Yep. From the Facebook group. Are you concerned? He said, are you concerned about getting in the way of the audience's view and enjoyment of the show? And always, always, always. The most important person at that show is the person who paid money to be there. So try and keep moving. Take your shots and move. Sometimes you'll step up in the photo pit in front of somebody that worked really hard to get right at the barricade and you're taking two or three shots and they push you or they get mad. And at that point, move or say to them, if you've got to shoot from there, I really apologize. I'm only here for three songs. I'll do my best to stay out of your way. Right, right. Let them talk to them and let them know it's a short-term thing and get out of their way as soon as you can. Maybe another reason they only let you be in there for three. It's that. It's also a distraction to to the artist that you're right there. Keep in mind, people don't think about this. Think about the size of the element on a 24 to 70. And you're pointing that up at the singer. And behind the singer, there's light shining from behind them that hit your lens, reflecting your lens back at the singer. They can see all that glass. So yeah, you you just want to be aware of your surroundings. And really, in a perfect world, a photographer is never seen. Right. All right. Very good. I like the, the discussion there. Let's move to post-processing now. So what... What kind of tips do you have as someone going to go post-process those photos? We talked a little bit about the noise already and try your best to like 
not see the noise. Don't make that be the subject of your post-processing. What, what tips do you have? Find your own voice, right? Everybody, when they first start, tries to emulate. Even if you're an experienced photographer, if it's your first time shooting live music, you might try to emulate, and that's fine. But work down that road to find your own voice in how you process your pictures. When you're processing live music, you've, again, you're going to have clipping going on. The, the goal would be that the clipping is the lights or stuff around you or the sky sometimes because somebody made the comment it was darkly lit on the artist. How do you expose for their face? You may have to blow the sky out to right. get their face to be seen. Right. Or you go the other way and make them a silhouette. You have two choices there. But if you clip their face, you can't get it back. So when you're post-processing, you have to think about that while you're shooting. What do you, it's the art of compromise. What do you want to save during your exposure? And the other thing is, as you're doing your post-processing on, on live music shots, really think about what your subject is. Is it an environmental shot of the whole stage? Or do you really care that people focus in on just that singer, even though you're showing the whole stage, right? And do your processing accordingly. Back away from the clarity slider, <laughs> right? We've all seen it where somebody, oh, what's this? And they found that clarity slider. And really, I love clarity. And there are times I'll do a boost in clarity for an effect, but doing it on people's faces can be really have a weird effect. So yeah. go easy on everything. Less is almost always more. Vibrance is your friend with concert photography. If you do want to go with an effect, use a brush in Lightroom. Clarity, a little bit of clarity, very little on tattoos makes them pop. And the other thing that is my biggest tool for post-processing there's a couple of them, but one of the ones I love is a radial filter. Because if you're a guitarist in the middle of a scene and I want the rest of that environment to fade away, I have my own custom, I'm going to call it a vignette, but it's really not. It might be a little down on the exposure. Right. It might be a little bit of dehaze. It might be dropping the highlights a little bit. Right. And I will drop that radial filter around a guitarist or a singer having it fade off into my filter on the outsides of the frame, which brings my subject out. It's, it's like an advanced dodge and burn. Yeah, I love, I, <clears throat> I do the same in uh, portraits all the time. That's uh, absolutely, I love the, uh, the radio filter. It's, it's a really good one. Um, all right, it, with, with respect to noise specifically, we have uh, David uh, Putier. I don't know, it's dangerous to say names. Putier? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said, tips on processing high ISO images to be usable. Shoot local bands with less than spectacular lighting. Shot at ISO 4000 plus, sometimes on an eight-year-old Canon 5D Mark III. So we talked about like, you know, try to, your photo needs to be more interesting so that the noise is not the first thing people see. And if that's the first thing they notice, then you've got other problems that are probably larger. Right. So, but but if there is something they want to do about it, do you have any techniques you've used to battle the noise problem? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and actually, if David's shooting at ISO 4000 you know, plus on a 5D Mark III, that's actually not bad. No. <laughs> and again, that's part of the problem. Nobody is going to walk up to your photos and is going to look at them at 100%. It's not going to happen. Right. So you have to understand what noise is in those pixels. Noise reduction works great. Selective noise reduction is always better. Right. I don't care if there's a ton of noise sometimes 
in certain background areas. I don't want it on their face. So rather than do a global noise reduction, which softens edges, I might use an adjustment brush and brush in some noise reduction on those areas of the skin to make it look more realistic. Don't overdo it. I'd rather see your noise than lose the pores, right? Right. But other than that, when you are dealing with any image, you always have to consider your output. We always think of what's on our screen, but you have to think of what's your intended use model for those images. So if I've got a 5,000 pixel Canon 5D Mark IV image at shot at 6,400 ISO, at 100%, I'm going to see the noise. Mm-hmm. But I'm exporting that at 1,000 pixels. I'm exporting that at 2048 pixels for Facebook, which is going to crunch it to death anyway. I'm throwing away over 50% of the pixels to begin with. <laughs> right. Right? Right. So that sheer act of compressing it into a JPEG from RAW and throwing away a bunch of the pixels is going to hide a good amount of that noise. So if you're working on the full res photo and you start overdoing your noise reduction, then when you export it, you're going to end up getting some weird looks and everybody's going to know he overdid or she overdid the noise reduction. So think about your output size. Think about your output destination. Think about what you're going to use it for and do your noise reduction selectively. Do some globally. I do global noise reduction. And then I go more if needed. Lightroom has amazing noise reduction. Oh, yeah. The other thing that you can do, if you have noise in shadowy areas, the problem with noise reduction is it's a blur effect, basically. So you're losing edging. Right. But if you have a bunch of noise in the background of a, of a dark stage, get an adjustment brush and boost the shadows. Now you're not affecting any edges. You're just taking the noise out of the blacks. Now, if you do black, sometimes it makes it look a little crunchy and muddy. So I just boost the shadows a little bit and I brush that in to darken those little dots right, that right. are the noise. Right. Uh, again, it's advanced dodging and burning, really. But that's what I would say. Yeah. And paying attention to composition. And uh, that goes across all genres of photography, of course. Composition, uh, leading the eye to your subject, making sure that that's drawing attention to the subject instead of the others. And I want to go through a, a few of the photos that uh, well, actually, are in your before portfolio. You, do, you just yeah. said something that's really interesting I want to touch on. And that is that composition really matters. Keep in mind the whole point of the picture is to tell a story. Right. 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 And one of the best ways to solve a noise problem is proper exposure. Sure. So as you're composing your shot, don't just compose, but think about your exposure because if you underexpose where you're going to have to boost shadows, you're going to accentuate the noise. Right. So getting a proper exposure actually is a quick way to solve a lot of your noise issues. Right. Yep. Yeah. And knowing your camera, being able to, to set it all up, use it to, as you're shooting, like we've talked about, it's essential. All right. I want to go through three three photos we picked out of your portfolio. There's, okay. there's tons of them, but uh, we picked out three to, uh, to share and talk about. And we'll have some the the images in the show notes so you can take a look. But I want to focus on, it. I want to tell them the settings that you used. But the settings are, they're, they're like secondary. It's like, okay, that's what he had. That doesn't mean everyone needs to shoot at those settings. Um, but the composition and the way that the story is being told is really the point. That's, that's what makes these images so compelling and um, something that we, is worth sharing and talking about. 
here as a mechanism to help some listeners learn how to do this. So let's let's start off with the first one, Steve. Why don't you walk us through these photos, talk about uh, the settings because that that needs to be shared, but also kind of what story you're trying to tell and and how you came to uh, to the the photos that you created. Okay, so the first shot is Bruce Watson. He's the guitarist for the band Foreigner. And this was shot in Irvine. It's a Canon 5D Mark III. It was one one thousandth of a second at f2.8 ISO 1600. I didn't need, I could have dropped it to 800 and dropped my shutter speed easily on this and still caught him. But they have a lot of light during their show. Their, their shows are just so well lit. And most people don't notice it right away. The way he's positioned, he almost looks like he's standing on the ground until you see the shadow of yes. his foot in the spotlight makes you realize he's off the ground. Yes. And my goal here was Foreigner's stage set is extremely open. There's just tons of empty stage. The drummer, the keyboard, they're way, way, way in the back so that the guitarist and the vocalist are way up front. And I wanted to tell that story of this big, expansive stage. I wanted to get the band name in there from a marketing point of view. Right, right. And then I wanted the truss. The truss was lit up in this nice color up above. And I wanted to do that environmental portrait of this guitarist at a moment off the ground. And he'd done it a couple of times. So I had a cue that he was going to do it again, probably. Okay. And that really was my goal here, was, was to try and show you the environment you would have seen had you been in the audience with your eye. It's awesome. And I, that was the thing that, that I appreciated as I looked at the photo was the shadow. Because uh, you could have you cropped that. that. That could have been out of it. But I, it, it makes the photo because it's there and tells Just the story. upside down foot. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that you know he's not on the ground. Yeah, uh, because am I right? You absolutely. almost think he's on the ground at oh, first. Oh no, no question, no question. And and because you're at such a, such a high shutter speed, there's not any other motion blur around to tell you that there's movement going on here. You've completely frozen the subject, which is is awesome. And that little detail, making sure that that's included in the shot, makes the shot. It's awesome. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's very well done. Of course. <laughs> All right. What's the next one? So the next one is Cage the Elephant at the first Cal Jam, which is a weird one. <clears throat> I didn't I didn't really care that much about shooting Cage the Elephant until I did, and now I would pay to shoot him again. It's hands down my favorite band to shoot now. Just literally an amazing live show. And I like this shot because this goes back to what I said about lighting. It goes back to kind of my mantra. We're photojournalism, right? I talked about pit etiquette. Don't hold your camera up in the air because it's in everybody else's photo. But when the guitarist jumps off the stage, leans across the barricade backwards into the crowd, and nobody can get near him to take a picture, the entire photo pit raised their cameras up. And I, I'm standing way in the back here going, well, this isn't good. <laughs> but you have to tell the story. And to me... This actually is one of my favorite shots. I don't know if anybody else likes it, but this to me tells the story, right? Oh, yeah. This is, this is a photo pit. It tells my story more than anything. This is what it's like in a photo pit when everybody's holding their camera up. And from a journalistic point of view, this is, this is that energy that you've got. So no matter what happens in front of you, your mental process has to change to how do I tell that story in a photo? 
Okay, and so you went to, uh, this was with a 5D4, Shutter 1 400th, F2.8, and ISO 800. I assume yep. you had very different settings just before this shot. Actually, this was kind of a slightly overcast day. It was This was still daylight out. So this it wouldn't have been hugely different. Oh, okay. If anything here, I probably... I probably was at about two fiftieth of a second and I probably bumped it to 400. I probably just went click, click. That's two clicks uh-huh. on my, on my shutter uh, just to compensate for the fact that he was now out more in the daylight instead of on the stage. Right. Other than that, it wouldn't have been a lot of change. And, and that's really kind of the point I wanted to make was you've got enough experience to kind of, that probably just happened almost automatically you, you didn't have oh, to spend oh, I see what you're saying yeah a lot yeah, of time if i, thinking if I about turn it. from the stage and i turn towards the crowd yeah i immediately know i'm brighter yeah and i don't think about it i just do it right and so so becoming so familiar we talked about that early on becoming that familiar with your camera is going to be essential you're going to miss the shot you're going to miss the guitarist he's going to be out of there and gone before you can manage to get your camera settings if you don't know how to switch that up right right yeah okay Let's move on to this last one. Tell us about this last one. So this was a band I had never heard of or seen that is huge in uh, Japan, I think it is, and, and the rest of Asia. It's called Cold Rain. Phenomenal live set. Just amazing. This was with a Canon 5D Mark III. I'm at 1 640th of a second. F2.8, ISO 640th of a second. This was daytime. So... The question would be, why was my ISO so high if it's daytime at an outdoor festival? And it's because these guys were moving so fast, I wanted 640th of a second. And this really contrasts the other two. You know, the second one was telling the story no matter what. The first one was showing, telling the environmental story. And this is, to me, how you tell energy. You let a subject bleed out of the frame. Now, I'm not going to lie. I wish I had that last finger down there or more fingers <laughs> right. of the mic. But it's not cut at a knuckle, so I don't mind it so much. I love where it's cut at the top of his head. This is almost yep. straight out of camera crop-wise. And it's just a tight, close-up shot where if you look at this in full size, this his eye is tack sharp. But at 2.8, zoomed in like this, it fades off very quickly. And the sweat is dripping from his eyebrows. This to me is is energy in a live music shot. It's what live music and rock and roll is all about. He's got an unusual microphone, which I love. The passion, the veins, and it just, it bleeds out of, it's like you're looking through a window and he's filling the whole window. And I love that kind of storytelling. I love it too. You know, I don't mind that the hand got cropped because it it brings that discomfort a little bit to it and and adds to the passion that's that's very is again it's you never want to cut at a joint and because it's a cross cut it's not it's not perpendicular at a knuckle right you can get away with it a little bit more but again the treatment i did on this by the way part of the way that it's not in full color is the sweat on his shirt when the shirt was a bright blue denim you could see a dark spot where the sweat was but it didn't stand out as much. So the choice here was not to rescue anything. It's because I got the contrast that I wanted of the sweat on his collar. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's an incredible shot. It's, it's amazing. You got this 
with them moving around and it's very well done look at that vein <laughs> it's awesome yeah just about to burst he's so passionate yeah. about photography I mean, it almost about music. you look at him and think that, it's almost like it's got a hurt <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah like how did did he recover is he okay yeah it's it's incredible incredible shot um all right i think i think that's about all the time that that we have to uh, to go through this uh steve we could probably go on for a long time and i need to have you come back on we need to talk we need to talk nas at some point uh, okay. with your network background I think a lot of photographers would love that. We've talked about NAS as like a you know cold storage sort of solution, and uh, a whole bunch of listeners are like I don't understand this. What <laughs> what is this? So yeah. well, and and most photographers don't understand their tech outside of their camera. If even I know great photographers who don't understand their camera. Yeah, but understanding your storage is important from a backup point of view. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm I'm going to have you come back on at some point. We're going to talk about NAS. So that will we'll plan that out. Sounds um, good. Where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at my website, which is stevebrazil.com. And again, it's the same as the country Brazil, B-R-A-Z-I-L-L. There's two L's instead of one L. And then my podcast is behindtheshot.tv. Excellent. And what- uh, social media wise, yep, yep. I'm Steve Brazel on uh, Twitter and I'm Steve Brazel on Instagram. The podcast there is Behind the Shot TV on both of those. And then Facebook, Steve Brazel Photography, and it's Behind the Shot Podcast on Facebook for the podcast. And we will have links to all of that in the show notes. You can go check that out at phototacopodcast.com. And what about your radio? Uh, radio stuff. I, I work for KCAL FM in Southern California. And if you go to kcalfm.com, uh, one of the menus has a list of all the people and my name is in there, but I, I will show up as Raz, not Steve. With the last name Brazel, years ago, it turned into Braz, which got shortened right. to Raz. And so on the air, I go by Raz. Okay. I have for 40 years, so it's been a nickname. So if you find Raz on KCAL FM, you'll find me. Excellent. All right. So that's uh, that's going to close up the show. I want to remind everyone, you can find searchable show notes over at phototacopodcast.com. If you have a suggestion for the show, a topic or a question, uh, there's lots of ways to contact us. Again, the show notes is the best way to see all that. But we have Photo Taco Podcast's Twitter, um, fo- at Photo Taco on Instagram, Photo Taco Podcast. Dot com or uh, at gmail.com for the email address. And then we have our whole Master Photography Podcast Network. You can find all of the stuff related to that over at masterphotographypodcast.com. So you can find everything about the show over there. Thank you, Steve. So, so glad you could come and join me and talk about concert photography. I think we're going to have a lot of listeners really excited that they got some actual practical tips. Like, I don't think a lot of photographers talk about this, the, these sort of tips in this way. So thank you for, for helping well, me with that. I appreciate your having me. And I just realized I'm I'm not a member of Photo Taco Facebook group. So I'll, I'll be joining here shortly. Excellent. So you can, you can deal with uh, other questions. That'll be great. And uh, we'll have you do that. All right. Thank you, everyone. We are so excited to have you listening. And we'll see you again soon. Photo Taco. The views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!